Good morning, everyone. I can tell you it is truly great to see you, those of you that can be here with us today, and of course, all of you that are joining us via live stream and Facebook Live. It's wonderful to be able to gather together no matter where you are. So wherever you are, would you stand with us today? I want you to know that Jesus did not just lift one or two restrictions in your life. He did not come and die on the cross so that he could give you partial freedom. But he came, took on flesh, so that you could have total, absolute freedom from every bond, from every chain, from every sickness, from every addiction, from every mindset, from every destructive pattern. He came so that you could have life and life more abundantly. And we're going to celebrate that here today. Let's see. Chains are broke, cause you have spoken, it is finished on the cross, now I'm living in your freedom, Jesus you have set me. you 
the psalmist today when he said, oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. There's something in our heart today for Jesus. Let's praise him again. Let's exalt him. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. It's great to be here today and not think the rapture had taken place and I missed it. It's great to see people. Thank the Lord. It's great to see you today. Great to see you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Are you glad to be here today? Woo! Hallelujah! Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Look across the aisle or somewhere at your neighbor and tell them I'm glad to see you. Thank the Lord. And surely this time you mean it, right? So there you go. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. We have something very special to present today. Um, a couple of weeks ago, during our family night prayer on Monday night, um, the Watleys were praying at their house, and when prayer was over, uh, Noah contacted me and he said, uh, Papa, God gave me a sermon during prayer. And um, I said, well, share it with me. And he came over with a piece of paper that he had written out a sermon. His thought is amazing. And I was so impressed with that. I promised him that I would have him preach today as uh, soon as the praise team was done with their opening song. So I want Joseph to come, or Noah, excuse me, to come. And, uh, You're good, baby. Talk slow. Thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to speak to Grace Church for a few moments. Oh. Today I am reading from Matthew chapter 27, verses 59 and 60. Verse 59 starts with, And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Verse 60 starts, And laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher, and departed. Today I want to talk to you about a blessing through a stone. Most stones or boulders weigh around, let's say, a thousand pounds or more. But what most people don't really think about when Jesus was buried is the stone. So I want to ask you, what do you think the stone was doing while Jesus was in the tomb? Was it crying? Maybe. Or was it rejoicing, knowing it was going to be rolled away to manifest the greatest miracle ever? We do not know. But consider with me, that stone can also represent sin. And sin can also feel like a thousand pounds. But then on the third day, that stone, sin, could not contain Jesus. He came out. So if the stone represents sin, and we are the person being held captive by it, could today be the third day and you're about to receive a miracle? Could today be that your third day and the miracle coming out of that tomb is good finances, a good marriage, and good relationships? Don't give it up. Don't walk out and don't doubt like Thomas, but believe. You might not see the stone being rolled away, but don't give up today. Today might be your third day. Don't doubt like Thomas, but have the faith of John the Baptist, the faith of Daniel and the lion's den. Jesus has not forsaken you. He is still with you. Thank you, Pastor.
Oh, let's worship the Lord, church. Come on, can we just let our faith rise, let our expectations rise today? Come on, that's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. I believe it. I'm holding on to it. I'm proclaiming it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated today. Wow. Noah, good job, man. Awesome. We're going to have to up our game, ministry team, pastor. He's, uh, he's, he's fired a warning shot. He's coming. And uh, well done, bro. Appreciate that word so much. Good, good job. Awesome. Hey, I think Psalms 84 is so appropriate today. Tell me if you identify with this. The psalmist said, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And I love this verse right here. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. And I had rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of we. Are you glad to be in the house of God today? Does anybody identify with the psalmist? Oh, I think we ought to just rejoice that we're back in the gates and in the tabernacle and in the house. God, the scripture says this is a blessed place. Scripture says this is where the presence of God dwells. God bless you today. We're glad you're here. Pastor's already welcomed you, but I want to tell you how good it is to see you today. Nine weeks now, we've been preaching and worshiping with an empty auditorium, and it's good to see people, even if it's 25%, we'll take it. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, thank you for joining us. We're so glad you've chosen to be a part of Grace Church this morning. I do want to just remind you of a couple things. we got a great week coming up. Fantastic, fantastic week. I want to tell you tomorrow night, Monday night, is family prayer at your home at 714. And look, I believe God is answering our prayer. We, 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 we talk a lot about, well, things are this and things are that. But, but really, when you boil it all down, I believe God has heard our cry and heard our prayer. And he has moved in this situation in our current crisis. Uh, Tuesday morning, there will be prayer at 9 o'clock right here in the sanctuary with social distancing being practiced. And then Wednesday night, Bible study at 7.30 as usual. And then Saturday morning, right here in the sanctuary is men's prayer at 9 o'clock. And we'll be social distancing there. But men, let's pray. We're going to be here in the sanctuary, so we'll have more room to spread out. We want to pray. And then you may have heard, but we want to make a formal announcement to all of our church family. Regrettably, all of the camps, youth camps, including camp meeting, have been canceled this year due to the COVID-19. So if you have not heard that, make a note of that so you know. If you're not hearing things about youth camp coming across the pulpit, that's because it's been canceled this year. We're disappointed about that, but it is something that we have to honor and, uh, and respect, and I know you understand that. And in all, as always, the website and the app are wonderful resources for you for more information and more announcements along this line. Our quiz team has continued to excel and continue to move even through the, the COVID-19 with the virtual tournaments. And they've done a great job. And there was a virtual statewide tournament yesterday. And Grace Church had two teams represented. Uh, in our beginner division, we had Parker Duran, Avery Bunch, and Anna Kate Duran. And they did very well. They played two games. And um, the, the important thing there, they, they, didn't, they didn't win, but they played as a team. They had great attitudes. They learned a lot of teamwork, and they all contributed 
to the effort and we're so proud of them. This is the beginner crew. This is the, the really young ones and they've got the word of God in their heart. They're doing very well at the quiz board and we're proud of them. Every bunch won a ribbon for second highest score in a quiz and so we're very proud of her for doing that. And then on our junior division was represented by Noah Watley, who you just heard from, Joseph Watley, Carter Duran, and Heston Bunch. That's our junior team. And they won two games out of four and placed third overall in the state tournament. And so we're excited about that. Noah Watley and Joseph Watley both made the all-tournament team. Joseph was fourth place on that all-tournament team, and Noah tied for first place on that all-tournament team. So they did tremendous, tremendous. We're excited about that. Thank you for your support of the, of the Bible quiz program. As, as I've mentioned, they've continued to persevere even, even through some of these difficulties and through the technology challenges and all these things to make these virtual tournaments uh, possible and happen. And Lord willing, on June 26th and 27th, they're planning to have a, a real live tournament in Monroe. It'll be their statewide tournament in Monroe. And they're hoping, Lord willing, if things go as they, as they, continue, or they continue as they are, that'll be a live tournament. And they are looking forward to that and not having to do it through Zoom. So they're excited about that. And uh, if you would, just continue to pray for them, continue to support them in that way, and, uh, and bless them with your prayers because they are doing tremendous things with the Word of God and hiding it in their heart. Amen? Amen. Again, it's good to see y'all. We're going we're gonna to go into a worship set now and prepare the atmosphere for the Word of God to be preached. Are you ready to worship God? Amen. I am. And so let's, let's get together with the praise team and let's worship the Lord today. God bless you.
have been excited to come back today. I can't imagine how God feels right now. Maybe that's why His presence is so manifest right now. Thank the Lord. We're not experiencing just the omnipresence of God right now. We're experiencing the manifest presence of God right now. Jesus is here in the building, and He's here to strengthen. He's here to encourage. He's here to forgive. He's here to inspire, to whatever, to take your burdens away, whatever you need here today. God is certainly here to bless, to minister, and we're so thankful for that. Again, it's great to see all of you. I'd like to remind you, in case you missed it before, our pre-service announcements, but all of you, our A-team, you're all welcome back this coming Wednesday night at 7.30 for Bible study. And I want to say very quickly how much I appreciate Blake and Anjay for doing an amazing job out in the lobby with all of their decor to welcome all of us back. Uh, my heart fluttered last night when I walked in and saw it. I want to thank them so very much for that. I also want to thank all of our Sunday school staff of all ages that have kept Sunday school running through this entire time. Two months, two months. I believe today is the ninth Sunday. And um, they've done an amazing job. I love and appreciate all of them uh, for doing that. Uh, our church office, Sister Landry's done an amazing job. Uh, don't know what we would do without her. And uh, she does a great, great job, and she has through this whole uh, situation that we're in. And I'm very thankful for that. And I can't help but say I saw uh, Tucker Coley this morning. I'm so glad he's able to be back in church. He has been so nervous that it's only his family that has been kicked out and not able to come to church. And his mom and dad just couldn't quite him get him to understand that. We sent him pictures and everything during church of an empty sanctuary. 
I saw him running the aisles a little bit this morning, as a matter of fact, already. So he's happy to be here. And uh, so good for Tucker. I have a message today. And uh, I was worried that I would not be able to preach it. <clears throat> but you folks just held back just that little bit, seemed like, uh, to see what Pastor had to say. And uh, I was afraid this service was going to run away. And I wasn't afraid of it, but uh, didn't mean it quite that way. But I'm thankful to be here today, and I, am, I can't express to you guys how great it is to see you. I've missed you folks, and I am so happy to see you. And this is only half. We'll have the other half here next Sunday. And uh, that's great, and we're looking forward to it. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you or prove you as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice in so much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy I want to preach to you for a few minutes today a strange thing has happened to me a strange thing has happened to me. Everybody say, thank the Lord for the word. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. I want to applaud uh, Noah Christopher again on his very first sermon. He did an amazing job, amazing delivery. I'm so proud of him. I could pop right now. If I didn't have all this other going on, I probably would. But uh, I'm so proud of Noah. He did a great job this morning. And thank you folks for your very kind reception of what he had to say. We all come to seemingly uncrossable rivers. You may not feel as free today as you would like to. But the Bible does say in Psalm 30 and verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And everybody said amen. <clears throat> Charles Spurgeon said, if you are in a night of trial, think of the morrow. Cheer up your heart with the thought of the coming of thy Lord. Be patient, for lo, he comes with clouds descending. Spurgeon went on to say to be patient. The husbandman waits until he reaps his harvest. Be patient, for you know who has said, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. If you feel ever so wretched now, remember, a few more rolling suns at most will land thee on fair Canaan's coast. He went on to say, Thy head may be crowned with thorny troubles now, but it shall wear a starry crown ere long. Thy hand may be filled with cares. It shall sweep the strings of the heart of heaven soon. Thy garments may be soiled with dust now. They shall be white by and by. Wait a little longer, he said. Ah, the despicable, our troubles and trials will seem when we look back on them. Looking at them here in the prospect, they seem immense. But when we get to heaven, we shall all then with our transporting joys recount the labors of our feet. Our trials will then seem as light and momentary affliction. 
So let us go on boldly. If the night be never so dark, the morning cometh, which is more than they can say who are shut up in the darkness of hell. Do you know what it is thus to live on the future, to live on expectation, to anodate heaven? Happy believer, happy believer to have so sure such a comforting hope It may all be dark now, but it will soon be light. It may be all trial now, but it will soon all be happiness. What matters is though weeping may endure for a night, joy comes in the morning. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. It is when circumstances come and we do not handle it right and we become a prisoner in our own mind. We've all sat in high places and we've reached for more. But the unsettled confusion and frustration that some are feeling right now sometimes keeps us caged in. It is kind of like Simon Peter when he saw his master head to Calvary instead of to a throne. Life can make certain turns and if we're not careful, we can become bitter. We must realize, we must realize that nothing takes God by surprise. We must be resolute that all things work together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. Clap your hands one more time. Oh, if we could live in a realm that no matter what comes, the trials, those trials, that trial, this trial, when they come, they are never a stranger. The fiery trial should never be a stranger. They keep your feet planted, and when it's all over, you are truly better than before. I want everyone to notice the screen when I ask the question, what is a fiery trial? What is it? It is not a weapon to destroy you. It is a stage that has been set for something to be proved. I'm afraid that went straight across the tops of your head and hit that wall back there. I'm going to say it again. What is a fiery trial? What is all this stuff that we've just experienced for the past two months? It's not a weapon to destroy us. It is a stage that has been set for something to be proved. That's what Peter said in his epistle. You say the church has taken a hit. This has taken a toll on the church. No, it hasn't. We're all here. You made it two months. Maybe your relationship with God is more healthy than you thought it was. Maybe your faith runs a little deeper than you thought it did. Maybe your confidence in the word of God was a little more sure-footed than what you expected. We didn't expect none of this, but this didn't catch God by surprise. God still has his church firmly in the palm of his hand. So I want you to notice with me today the first The very first of all trials. Again, a trial is a stage that has been set 
for something to be proved. The very first trial, the first of all trials, if you'll accept me this morning, the mother of all trials, it happened to Job. All right, before y'all run ahead with me. Where are trials born? Where do they have their beginning? Where do they come from? Y'all need to think about that. Everybody think about that. Where are they born and where do they come from? When you're in the middle of it and you're gasping for air and you're scratching and clawing just to hang on to your faith for another day or another five minutes, where did it come from? What's its source? Job's trial and yours and mine. His happened when Satan appeared before God and God started asking questions. Read it. Read it. God is the one that started this. God is the one that started this. He asked the devil, where have you been? And the devil said, I've been going to and fro in the earth. If you don't think the devil is up to no good, just ask him. He'll tell you. That's the one time he was honest with God. The next question was asked of God as well. Now remember, the devil is not the one that brought up Job. God brought up Job. God asked, have you considered my servant Job? Watch this. The devil said, yep, I have. I've been there. I've been to his house. I've watched his kids. I've looked over his livelihood. I checked out his banking account, but I can't get to none of that. Y'all not... Y'all not hearing me right now. I know I've been working on this for the past month or so. For this moment, I know what I'm about to say and you don't, but I want it to sink in and I'm gonna try not to get into a big hurry today. The devil said, I've tried to take a shot at your servant Job, but you've got a hedge around him and I can't get to him. If somebody would get a hold of that, you could tear this building down right now. You thought you wouldn't make it. You thought you wouldn't survive this. You thought you wouldn't sustain this. But God has a hedge around this church. Woo! My God. Oh, my. Is it possible? That the devil, everybody say the devil. The devil has more confidence in your relationship with God than you do. Do you think you would be here today 
even alive. Thank you. Do you think you would be here living and breathing? Do you think you would be here with money in your checking account and with a good job? Do you think you would be here today with a nice home and a nice car if the devil could have his way with you? There's people here today that needs to understand he tries to sift you as wheat. He tries to sift you as wheat, but there's that hedge. Glad Sister Booty's here today. She's getting it. Satan had already tried to get Job. He told God, you've got a hedge around him. He had already tried to get to Job and gave up. Why are y'all looking at me like that? Y'all never read this story? Read your Bible. And Job 1 and 2, read the story. Here it goes. Here's the part we don't like. But the devil said, I'm going to bring up one more accusation about Brother Job. He told God, watch this. If you take that hedge away, I'll make him curse you to your face. We don't understand how untouchable we are, how protected we are, and how much confidence God has in us. Well, this is good preaching right now, buddy. I'm about to say amen to myself. The devil said, I'll make him curse you to your face. Okay, y'all not getting it. Stand up, Brother Donnie. Stand up. Turn this way right here. The devil says to God, you take that hedge away, buddy, and I'll make him curse you to your face. And God says, you will, huh? You think you've got what it takes, thank you, to make him curse me to my face? You think that you can rattle and shake up his confidence in me? You think you've got enough demons and imps out of hell itself to cause Job, I'm preaching to somebody today, to curse me to my face? Okay, buster. Okay, big boy. Let's see how this goes. I'll take that hedge away and good luck to you, buddy. Y'all are being a little more denominated. I know what it is. Y'all are out of practice. I'm going to cut y'all some slack today. I've been here every Sunday, every Wednesday doing this to a camera back there. Sorry I ain't looking at you folks no more in the camera. So I'm going to cut you some slack today. Y'all are out of practice. But buddy, my heart is burning right now. Again, if we could understand how untouchable we are and how protected we are and how much confidence God has in us, 
when if and when God removes the hedge, we would get off our pity party and we would have more confidence and courage about who we are and who we belong to and who saved us and who redeemed us and who keeps us and whose hand we're in and who's got his arms wrapped around us. If all we could see into that world, the same events of how all this played out, that's how Job's trial was born. The poor dude didn't even know it. Nobody showed up. Gabriel, Michael, nobody showed up and said, hey, bro, it's fixing to get tough around here for you. I'm just giving you a heads up. Nothing. So the devil accused Job, but God had faith in Job and something had to be proved. Sometimes God will allow the devil to become more than an accuser. God wants to prove to him, the devil, who we are. God wants to prove to the devil who we are and what we're made of. So God took away the hedge. And Satan approached Job with unfathomable acts of cruelty, mockery, persecution, and despair. If you ever expect to find compassion and understanding out of the devil, you need to read this story again. It's brutal to take away one child. It's unbelievable to take away all of them, all of them, not leave nothing. Not an heir, nothing, not the baby, not the middle child who tries to negotiate everything, not the oldest child who wants to be affirmed and, and, and please mom and dad with everything they got. He didn't leave nothing. He took away his kids. He took away his livelihood. He took away everything. And remember that God did not allow the devil to do more than he would allow. There was still a line drawn in the sand. So the devil comes back. And I'm going to show you here in a minute. I believe God did something to himself. I believe God did something to God. I'm going to come to that in just a minute. But the devil tells God, I took his possessions. I took his livelihood. I took his family. And I am absolutely, positively amazed. The man is still hanging in there. I think I've been through some things. Brother Dave thinks him and his family has been through some things. I know the wheelers have been through some things, but this man, he experienced the raw side of hell and the devil walks away, throws his hands up in exasperation and looks back and curses under his breath and said, I can't believe what I've just done to this man and his faith is still intact. He still loves God. Oh my, 
So the devil says, give me another shot at him. Give me one more shot, God. Skin for skin. Let me make one more accusation. Watch this. The stranger called the fiery trial has come. God has something to be proved. Sister Melanie, God can't back down now. He can't back out now. He can't call it off now. Are y'all hearing me today? For us, the church, there's still maybe something else to prove. Hang in there, folks. Stick with it. And let God prove through you what he wants to prove. You may say, I don't, I don't like that. But remember that Jesus went through it when he was on the cross and the pain he was suffering was more than we could ever imagine and the devil was laughing, dancing, mocking and making fun even Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to take him off the cross but he said there's a cause there's a cause there's a cause that's greater than my deliverance I believe God is batting a cause right now through his church. There's something he's proving with his church. It's been that way since Acts chapter 2. God has something to prove, and he proves it with his church. He backs off, and he let the heroes of Hebrews 11 be slaughtered in coliseums and stadiums and eaten by lions and burned at the stake. Why did he do that? Because God had something to prove. But if you read the story in Hebrews 11, those people died, not martyrs, but heroes, because they stood their ground when even God himself backed off. They stood their ground. So God said to the devil, touch his skin, you can do whatever you want to his body, but you can't kill him. That's comforting. Especially when the devil drags you into a place where you want nothing more than to die. The one that would take Job's health let's talk to the Lord for a few moments for I feel the Holy Ghost right now Father we love you today I pray that the will of God is done and the spirit of the Lord speaks I pray God that you touch somebody here today and help us to realize that what we've been through and what we experienced has not been in vain it's not And it wasn't to destroy us, but it was to prove something. And the fact that we're still here, the fact that we are still here is a credit to faith. It's a credit to trust. 
to credit to confidence. Guide us, I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. So God said to the devil, touch his skin, but you can't take his life. And no doubt the devil knew this is it right here. I'm going to plague that man with things he's never experienced before. I'm going to make him hurt. He's going to cry. He's going to suffer. I'm going to make him bitter. Before all this is over, I'm going to make him curse God to his face. He's going to hurt and bleed in ways that he's never dreamed of. And when his physical body is popped out with boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, in his mind, he's going to want to die. But his God isn't going to let him die. And the devil was he also, he was also a little more reassured in his plot and scheme with this Job person being a proven ground between him and God. Job was even convinced, I'll get two or three demons in his wife's ear and I'll make them, I'll make them get her to help my cause. And finally Job's wife walked in and said, why don't you just curse God and die? Okay, here's this thing that I mentioned a little while ago that maybe God was doing. Listen carefully. You say that God knows everything. The Bible said he knows the end from the beginning. I've said all of my life that God knew how this was going to end. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. Is it possible that God allowed a veil to be put over his own eyes so he could not see how Job would do? So that he could not see the end of this? So I believe it's possible where the devil was screaming in Job's ear via his wife to come on and curse God and die. God was whispering in his other ear, come on, Job. Hang in there, buddy. I'm counting on you, man. You can do this. I've got faith in you. Perhaps God is saying, I've got something to prove, and I've chosen you to do it. I'm going to be honest with you folks. Sister Murphy can tell you, my family can tell you, that a week ago this past Wednesday and Thursday was probably some of the darkest days I've ever had in ministry. I had persuaded myself that our governor was going to go ahead and extend this lockdown a little bit longer. I'm not trying to sound like a hero nor a martyr, but it was working on me, man, preaching empty chairs. I know we had live stream and all that, and I thank God for it, and we've reached thousands of people. I didn't know what anybody was doing when I was done preaching. I didn't know if you was playing with your dog and your kids and got up and go fed the cat and get you another cup of coffee. And I want to know people were praying. I only heard from two or three people in this whole entire time, at least pertaining to that. And I told Sister Murphy and I told my family 
that if our governor extends this another two weeks or another month, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I realized this sermon. God was trying to prove something. And I believe it's possible that God backed off and refused to let himself see what I was going to do. I'm being honest. I love for everybody to think that I can walk on water at will, but I can't. I'm a human just like you are. And my heart was aching, not only for Grace Church, but for all of our churches. And I believe God whispered in my ear that I've got something to prove. And I've chosen you among others to do it. So is it possible that in God's sovereignty that he chose not to see the outcome of Job's trial? Up until this point, God had never been a man. And is it possible that he could not let himself know the outcome of a fiery trial between man and the devil? As much as we put our faith in him not knowing outcomes, as much as we put our faith in him not knowing the outcome, is it possible that God did that toward Job? You say God knows everything and you're right, but Jesus as a man said in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. You could say that if a man doesn't know, then even Jesus didn't know the day nor the hour of what he was referring to. We rejoice when we come through trials and say, I've won over the devil, I beat the devil, I conquered the devil, the devil didn't have his way in my life. But that's not what Job said. If anybody had a license to say, I just kicked the devil in the kneecaps and I bloodied his nose and I punched out his two front teeth. If everybody, anybody had an occasion to say that, Job did. But that's not what he said. Brother Donnie, Job said to his wife, though he God, not the devil, not the devil, though he God, though God slay me. You know what's interesting to me about this whole thing with Job? Is I haven't been able to really find anywhere where he even acknowledged the devil or talked to the devil or had anything to do with the devil. I think the closest he got to the devil was his three comforters that came and tried to blame him and accuse him of doing some horrible sin. But in Job's mind, he never understood this or took this being from the devil. But his faith and confidence was so secure and amazing in God, he told his wife, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. You know, when you read Genesis 1 in the creative days, every time God did something amazing, he said, that's good. He created the, the sky and the earth and all that. He said, that's good, that's good. Is it possible that after Job lost everything, including his health and the confidence of his wife, God said, that's good. That's good. 
Good job, Job. Proud of you. The Bible said that God or that Job did not charge God foolishly one time. So could it be that God got an idea that when I become a man, there's something I want to say when I go to Calvary. When they nailed me to a cross and they've beaten my back to a bloody pulp and they've crushed a crown of thorns on my head, I just want I would like to whisper this. I wish the Bible would have recorded it had Jesus said it. But maybe he said something like this. Though they slay me, to quote Job, though they slay me, yet will I save them. There are things to be proved by fiery trials. The devil's not after you. He's not after me, but he's after what you represent. He's after what I represent. That's why failure is not an option. And I could stand here a long time today and tell you about the strange things that's happened to me. I can tell you about demons that walks in and out of my bedroom sometimes. I've seen them. I've talked to them. I can tell you about betrayal by good, sweet church people. I can tell you about the people I've heard. I can go through all of that again. I've done it a thousand times. I remember when our church split back in 2006 and how dark it was. But looking back in retrospect, it's like I understand something now for the first time in my life. Could it be that God said to the devil, have you considered that, Pastor and Baker? See what you can do. And I'm going to hide my eyes. And we'll both be surprised at the outcome. So if you believe today that some strange thing has happened to you, you're right. It's called a fiery trial. It's been hard. Your conscience tears you apart sometimes. Your heart tears you apart sometimes. But your flesh says, stay bitter, stay angry, stay depressed, stay frustrated. Go ahead and throw the white flag in and throw the towel in and quit. But God on the other side is screaming. Those days, Brother Dave, y'all had in Memphis, could it be the devil knew? If I can get to his firstborn God, God, if you'll take away that hedge, I ain't going to touch Dave, I ain't going to touch Pharaoh, but give me his firstborn, and I'll make this couple curse you to your face. And God says... You think you can? You think you've got what it takes to do that? If the Wheelers were here, I would apply the same principle when they lost their son Josh a couple of years ago. The devil no doubt had this conversation with God. Let me take out one of their kids. There's people here today. The devil thought he had you. 
This is going to be the knockout punch, buddy. I'm going to hit him right smack in the beginning of the jaw. Somebody mentioned a left hook this morning talking about something. The devil throws a vicious left hook and he expects you to be knocked out on the canvas. And some of us have been knocked slap out. I've been knocked slap out sometimes. It's not how many times you fall that's important. It's how many times you get up. you'll stand with me this morning all right all right people all right y'all gonna have to work with me we have a few too many here today to do an altar service like we would normally do so y'all gonna have to work with me real hard if somebody comes to pray for you they're gonna have on gloves and a mask so don't be nervous about that but God wants to do something for somebody. Somebody's just realized today that all this hell I've been going through for the past months and years, it's not to destroy me, but God has something to prove through me. So somebody here today needs to wipe your brow and shake yourself a little bit and stagger back up to your feet and look life in the eye and say, you know what? I'm good for another round. Come on, somebody. So, they're going to sing and we're going to have our ministry team up here if they'd come right now. I've asked them to watch. If you'd like to have prayer, just get their attention. Send somebody up here to get them. They'll come back and pray for you. We'll ask families pray with families today, okay? This doesn't mean God can't move. This doesn't mean God can't have his way. This doesn't mean that God's not still on the throne. This God has something to prove, and he wants to prove today that I'll fill them with the Holy Ghost standing right where they are. I'll forgive them standing right where they are. I'll bless them. I'll encourage them. I'll heal them. I'll inspire them right where they are. Come on, somebody, as they begin to sing. Would you pray? Would you worship? Would you let the Lord have his way today? Somebody, if you feel too, would you lift your hands toward heaven and say, God, now I understand. God, now I understand what's been going on in my life. I'm going to fight it out another round. 
his deputies, one of the sheriff's deputies, his wife's heart just stopped beating and they're en route to the hospital. And he would, the, the deputy called and said, would you please have your church pray? So we're gonna pray right now for a miracle. Who knows what God has to prove right now? Who knows what God has to prove? As they sing again, keep praying. But let's everybody pray on behalf of this right now. Father, in the name.